Good morning. Now, I know what you're thinking. Lockdown is coming to an end sometime soon, I'm sure. Um, and so I need some ideas about where to go as soon as the government say I'm allowed to get back outside again, I'm allowed to travel. Um, I need some advice. Where am I going to go? Let me tell you about the best place on planet Earth, a wonderful place called Sunderland. Sunderland has got beaches. It's got the Penshaw Monument. It's got an overachieving football club and it's got a really big sports direct. It's got an annual air show. It's got the National Glass Centre. Um, it's got the North Sea. It's got buses. And it was one of five cities shortlisted for the UK City of Culture in 2021. It didn't win, but it was on the shortlist. So as soon as lockdown is over, Sunderland is the place to be. Now, I know you're wondering, Ryan, what is with all the propaganda about Sunderland? Well, we're going to read a passage together uh, this morning, um, and hopefully it's all going to make a little bit more sense um, why I'm waxing lyrical um, about Sunderland. We've been going through the book of John as a church, um, and so we're in John chapter 1, uh, verse 43 down to 51, and so read along with me. <clears throat> the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So we've been going through the book of John um, and we've been learning about the word Messiah. Uh, the word Messiah means one who will save um, and this is called the Gospel of John, and the word gospel means good news. And so far, we've read chapter one, and we have learned that the good news of the Gospel of John is that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, and last week, we read about Jesus recruiting his first disciples, um, and we heard the story of Andrew and his brother Simon, and Stuart told us um, of the call that Jesus uh, gave to them to come and follow him and to see uh, to see him, to see the Messiah. And so those are the words that we're focusing on again today, to, to come and see. Um, and Philip, uh, we're told, um, had this conversation with his friend Nathaniel and he told him to come and see. Now, have you ever watched a movie or a TV show or a book and you've absolutely loved it and you thought to yourself, I need to share this, I need to make sure that other people uh, get to see this, get to read this, get to hear about this. Um, and so you might go to a friend or family member and say, you have to watch this, you 
have to read this. So much action, so much drama, such an exciting story, and the ending is amazing. And once you've described it in all that detail, that person turns around and says, doesn't really sound like it's for me. I don't think I'm going to watch that. I don't think I'm going to read that. For me, I take that like some sort of personal slight. I'm all of a sudden like, oh, I just, it's one of my favourite movies and my favourite book, but no interest at all in watching it. It's just, it just brings you right back down to earth. And that's exactly the kind of thing that happened to Philip when he went to Nathaniel and said, we have found the Messiah. He is Jesus of Nazareth. And the response that he gets from Nathaniel is much like when someone says, ah, that movie sounds rubbish. He said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Now, I know that most people that are watching along this morning are either from or live in Newcastle and Tyneside. And so I know that at the beginning, when I presented Sunderland as being the greatest place on earth, the best place to come out of lockdown to, that for many people watching, the notion of that, me just saying that, is laughable. Now, I'm not saying that Sunderland isn't a wonderful place. It's a great place. Um, but I know my audience, and I know that for many Geordies and adopted Geordies, there's a natural inclination to ridicule the notion of Sunderland being this great place because of, of course, the famous divide between Newcastle and Sunderland. And it's a divide that is, for the most part, from what I've seen living here for 10 years, is banterful, um, is good-natured, jocular humour. Um, Sunderland is a great place, but if you want a Geordie to be on your side, just have a dig at Sunderland. That's what I've come to learn. And if you want a Geordie to scoff, just suggest that Sunderland is a great place. Um, and so we've got a similar thing here in our passage, don't we? Um, in our passage, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? The question is, is this a lot like Newcastle and Sunderland, bit of Geordie and Macam kind of banter? Well, probably not, actually. Um, although maybe we read it and think that he's like, Nazareth, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Um, I think there's something really important to consider when we read Nathaniel's response. Um, and that is the reality that in ancient Israel, a lot of different areas and different towns um, had real prejudices against one another. Um, the best example that I have of that is the story of the Good Samaritan, which I'm sure you know. Um, the, the whole point of the story of the Good Samaritan, the, well, the significance anyway of that story was that it was told to an audience who had a particular prejudice against people from Samaria and the the significance of the, the actions of the Good Samaritan was that he acted in such a kind, good, loving way towards someone that that audience would not have expected him to. And so there's a good chance that there's a very similar feeling that exists between the people living in the area areas um, such as Bethsaida and Nazareth that we're reading about this morning. Um, and where the long-standing divide between Tyneside and Wearside is generally good-humoured and often based on football, um, the divide that we're looking at here probably would have been considerably less good-humoured. 
um, because they were generally based on religion. Often the issue would arise from a belief that people from that area were ungodly or that they they didn't read scripture correctly and as a result um, that they were unclean. Um, and so can anything good come from Nazareth? It's probably not a banterful comment. It's much more likely to be fueled with an underlying dose of distaste. And so you take that and you add on top of that the fact that um, Nathaniel believes that the Messiah, as a good Jew, he was expecting uh, a Messiah as as an Israelite. He would have known scripture. He would have known the Old Testament that Philip's talking about. Um, and it says in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that that Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And so when, when Nathaniel hears, or found the Messiah, he's from Nazareth, his response is, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? He thinks there is no way that this Jesus of Nazareth that you're talking about is possibly the Messiah. And so when Philip finds Nathaniel and tells him we found the promised saviour, this one we've been waiting on, he is Jesus of Nazareth. Well, Nathaniel's um, prejudice kicks in um, and also his knowledge of scripture kicks in, the one that Moses spoke about. First of all, he thinks, well, that's not possible because we're looking for someone from Bethlehem, not from Nazareth. But of course, what we know is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem um, but he grew up in Nazareth, which is why he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. Um, but he also thinks because of this prejudice that he has, that there's no way that anything good can come from Nazareth. He thinks that's a place that is dirty or unclean. There is no way that this is where the Messiah comes from. And what's significant here and what I want us to think about is Nathaniel's attitude Philip says, we found the Messiah. This is amazing. This is great news. And Nathaniel's mind is made up. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, I want us to consider this morning, is our minds made up? Are our minds made up? Can I ask you, is your mind already made up about Jesus? We're going to discover... Um, what took Nathaniel from having his mind made up to having his mind changed. And the thing that caused that was meeting Jesus. Um, his, his mind was made up. And so Philip says, come and see. I really hope that as God's people, we take huge encouragement from this. Um, many of us struggle to share our faith. And I think a lot of that stems from thinking that we have to be able to reason and debate um, to take arguments to people, to convince. Well, the Bible tells us that the work of convincing is done by the Holy Spirit. We are simply instruments. All we have to do is take people to Jesus, point people to Jesus, to say, come and see. And so if the reason that you don't share your faith is because you think you're the one that has to, has to convince and reason, just look at this story. Just look at Philip. We don't know much about Philip at all. Um, in fact, it seems like he was uh, probably fairly ordinary. Um, we're not told as much as we are about um, the likes of Peter and John, who, see, who clearly have a great gift of teaching and evangelism, sharing their faith, making, making Jesus known um, through their, their confidence and their gifts. Um, we don't know much about Philip, um, but look at how simple his evangelism is. And this is evangelism. 
come and see. And that's really all we have to do. The Holy Spirit does the work of convicting people's hearts. All we have to do is point them to Jesus. So what is our response to people today? If you don't believe what will come and see, you've suffered too much to want to do, have anything to do with God, come and see. Your mind is made up, then come and see. This is evangelism. Look at what Philip doesn't do. He doesn't say, let me tell you why I'm right and you're wrong. He doesn't get worked up. He doesn't start shouting because Nathaniel has his mind made up. He doesn't shout moralistic arguments. He doesn't present his work and he doesn't say, well, I found them and now I'm right and you're wrong. He just says, come and see. If you struggle to share your faith, look at how easy Philip makes it for us. It starts with, I have found the Messiah. The same thing as, as, um, as Andrew last week. Once he finds the Messiah, he runs off to tell someone else. Philip just says, I was lost, now I'm found. I, I was broken, but now I am restored. He says all of those things in three words, come and see. It's so personal. That's what evangelism is. It's personal. And the personal nature of it means that I can stand here and I can say I was lost, but now I am found. That I was broken and now I am restored. And we read a few weeks ago from verse 12 of chapter 1 that said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is the end result of saying those simple words, come and see. This is the redeeming work of the gospel, that people can know their creator because of Jesus. For those who come and see and meet Jesus, they have the right to be called children of God. And that news is exciting. It can't be kept to ourselves. It's such good news that it has to be shared and it makes us want to share and it should do and hopefully it's encouraging that how easy it is hopefully it's encouraging that we are not the ones doing any convincing we're just saying come and see step one i found the messiah here is my story this is how i found him step two come and see for yourself and we all have family members or work colleagues or friends we have people in our lives that don't know about Jesus. But if we know about Jesus, then why don't they? If it's as simple as come and see. <coughs> what we're not doing is what Philip didn't do. We're not bombarding with moral arguments. We're not pretending that we have life sorted out. We're not debating. We're not having arguments in any sense. All we're called to do it's to point people to Jesus, to say, come and see. Just saying, I have found the saviour and I would love for you to come and see. I've been made a son or daughter of the living God. I would love for you to come and see. I'd love to tell you about him. I'd love for you to come and watch church online with me next week. It is useful to have answers, um, to be able to defend the Bible, to be able to defend the reliability of Scripture. It's, it's good to be able to answer doubts. But let's not take the weight of the work of the gospel onto our own shoulders to think that people will only become Christians if we give them the right arguments. All we have to do is say, come and see. 
the work is done by the Holy Spirit. And if you're watching this morning and you don't know God, can I invite you to please come and see? Come and see Jesus, the person and the work and the beauty of Jesus is what draws people into a relationship with God. And I want to invite you to come and see. You can do that by opening up your Bible, opening up the Bible and reading about him. That's how you see Jesus. You can do that by praying, asking God to reveal himself to you. Can I invite you to read ahead? In the book of John, we won't be annoyed if you get ahead of us in any sense. But find out who Jesus is and what he has done. Read for yourself. Read from the book of John. Read from the Bible. Can I invite you to ask if you know any Christians? Ask them who Jesus is to them. What he has done for them. Because I can sit here and I can stand here and I can tell you with certainty that I know that Jesus is the Son of God. I don't know that because I've read books that provide evidence. I don't know that because my logic has reasoned that he is, but because I know him in my heart. I don't just know about him, I know him. And so can I invite you to come and see, to come and get to know Jesus? There is a passage in Matthew Chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. If you seek him, you will find him. And what do you have to lose? If you're not a Christian, And you're watching along and you're hearing this and you might be scoffing. Nathaniel scoffed. I understand that that's the response that the gospel gets. But what do you have to lose for coming and seeing for yourself? For opening up a Bible yourself? For praying, asking God, speaking to him, asking him to speak to you? Because if we're wrong, then... You'll be justified in scoffing and doubting us. But if the Bible is right and if Christians are right, then you will meet the living God and you will gain everything. Nathaniel's mind was made up completely until he met Jesus. And that was the moment that changed everything. He went with Philip and as he was approaching, Jesus made himself known to Nathaniel. He said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. But how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you you were still under the fig tree before Nathaniel, before Philip called you. And that was the moment that changed everything for Nathaniel. That was the moment when his mind had been made up and it was switched because he declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so Nathaniel is making his way to Jesus. He's probably, his mind is made up. He's probably thinking, this will be a good opportunity for me to show that I know better, that, I, that I'm more clever than Philip, uh, that I know there's no way that this man is the Messiah. And what does Jesus do in that moment? He shows who he really is. Show something really important in what we read there. 
Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And he says, I saw you while under the fig tree. The two really important things, the important things that Jesus tells us about himself there in those two, two instances. Only God can see what's in a person's heart. Only God knows what we are truly like inside. Jesus shows that he knows Nathaniel. He knows what's in his heart. He's seen him before any, any of this happened. And we don't really know what's going on under the fig tree, but we know that Jesus saw him. And as soon as he says those words, Nathaniel's mind changes like that. He was resolute. He was set. He knew what he thought. And then he met Jesus. And look at what happened. In a flash, his doubts are gone. He's met Jesus and Jesus has made himself known to Nathaniel. Specifically, Jesus has made it known that he is God. See what happens when people come and see for themselves. And so that is the invitation this morning to come and see for yourself. Come and see who Jesus is. Open up the word of God. Open up your Bible Spend time in prayer with him. That's what this invitation is from the book of John. And it invites you to meet Jesus, the Saviour, the Messiah. And it tells us that Jesus is God. That's what he's proven to Nathaniel and that's what he will, I promise, he will reveal to you as well. And in knowing Jesus, we can be sons and daughters of the living God. That is what the invitation is. And it doesn't stop there. And for Nathaniel, it didn't end there. Verses 50 to 51. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel is amazed at what Jesus has shown him already. <clears throat> the ability to see his heart, to have seen him under the fig tree when clearly he was in a different place. But Jesus says, you think that was good? Just you wait and see what I'm going to do. And we are only in chapter one of the book of John. And just you wait and see what Jesus is going to do in the rest of this book. He says, you will see greater things than that. And now he's speaking to the group, to his new followers, his disciples. Because the Greek word here, you will see greater things than this. That word, you, is plural. He's not just talking to Nathaniel now. He's talking to all of his followers. You will see even greater things than that. He says, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Christians, you will see even greater things. So what is Jesus referencing here? What he's referencing is an account from the book of Genesis in chapter 28 with Jacob. And as a church, we read this not too long ago. Um, but I'm just going to read it again. So this is Genesis 28 from verse 10 to 17. 
This is what Jesus is referencing when he says to his followers, to Christians today, you will see even greater things than that. Um, this is the account of Jacob. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. It's an amazing account from the book of Genesis from, from chapter 28. Um, and what we read of is Jacob laying his head down to sleep and waking up to find this ladder stretching from heaven to earth. At the top of that ladder is the Lord and he is at the bottom. And the angels of God are ascending and descending. That's the reference that Jesus used. And what happened in that conversation or in what what God spoke to Jacob? He made a promise to him. And that promise was, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And then he says this, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And then after this dream, Jacob comes to the the conclusion in verse 16, when he awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Jesus uses, Jesus is given uh, two names in the passage that we read. First of all, Nathaniel says, son of God. He says, you are the son of God. He gives him that title, son of God. And then later on, uh, towards the end of our passage this morning, um, Jesus calls himself the son of man at the very end. There's angels of God descending and ascending on the son of man. Now it's common in ancient times um, to use the term son of to describe someone's nature. For example, son of wisdom would mean that someone is filled with wisdom. We see it later on uh, in the story of Judas Iscariot. He's known as the son of perdition. And so this term son of describes someone's nature. And we've got two references to son of when it comes to Jesus. First of all, the son of God and then the son of man. And in there, Jesus is telling us that he is in his nature, God, and also in his nature, he is man. And so what is the reason for this reference of Jacob and the ladder and the Lord and the Lord making this promise to Jacob 
about his descendants blessing the entire earth. That reference is Jesus talking about this ladder, this connection between heaven and earth. And Jesus is the connection between heaven and earth. Where the Lord is and where mankind is. And Jesus is perfectly both of those things. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring, Jacob. Jacob, who was renamed by God as Israel. That's the beginning of the promise in Genesis 28. And here John is telling us that this is the fulfillment. That Jacob was on the earth and he looked and he saw the Lord. And now we have Jesus. Jesus who is an eternal bridge, an eternal connection between the earth and heaven. The fulfilment of a promise from hundreds and hundreds of years before. That's what Philip said. We have found the one that the law talks about. The law of Moses. We have found the one. He is Jesus from Nazareth. The divide that exists between us, humankind and our creator God. has been bridged by this man Jesus. Who is fully man and fully God. Jesus is the answer to the divide. Jesus bridged the gap and healed the division. And now anyone who believes and trusts in him can know the God that created us. God revealed himself in Genesis 28 to Jacob. And God reveals himself to all people on earth through Jesus. And Jesus tells his followers to all Christians, just wait and see what I am going to do. Throughout the rest of the book of John, we're going to read some of the amazing things that Jesus did. Miracles, wisdom, healing, teaching, encouraging. And then we're going to read about some of the amazing things that his followers did. God is still at work today. God still heals. God still saves. God still speaks today. God still answers prayers. When this book was finished, the story was not finished. God is still at work today. God still knows what's in your heart. God is still making sons and daughters on this earth. If you're a Christian today, take heart in the promises that we've been given. Take encouragement from seeing a promise at the beginning of this book being fulfilled towards the end of it. We follow a risen saviour. And a powerful, powerful God. If you're not a Christian today, we want to invite you to come and see. We want you to see our Saviour who amazes us so much. We want you to know the God that just blows our mind. We can know that God, the God that created us. Because the gap that once existed between heaven and earth has been bridged by this man, Jesus. So come and see Jesus for yourself. Let's pray together. Father God, your goodness just blows our mind. Your grace to us is more than we can understand. And Father God, we praise you for your son, Jesus. We praise you that we can know a savior. That we can know the God that created us through Jesus Christ. 
We thank you, Father God, for your words that tells us all about him, that tells us all about you. We thank you, Father God, that we can be known by you. We thank you that we can be sons and daughters of the living God. Father God, I pray for those that don't have this amazing blessing, that don't know this. I pray, Father God, that you will make yourself known to them. I pray that they'll come and see how good you are. Help us to live this week, Father God, in a way that's pleasing to you. Help us to share. Help us to make you known. Help us to invite others to come and see. Amen.